This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, welcome to this special election edition of the Richard Blackaby Leadership <laughs> Podcast. My name is Sam, and I'm your host, and joined, uh, as always, by Richard Blackaby. Good to see you, Richard. It's good to be with you, Sam. We'll make a note uh, at the at the top here that we're recording this on Monday, so it's the day before the election. This this will air on Tuesday, November third, Election Day in the United States. Uh, yeah. It's a it's a pretty pretty big deal. It, it is. It's certainly so. the most hyped. I think, election that I can recall. I think you have to go back a long ways to find something this uh, capturing public attention. Yeah. We weren't doing this podcast four years ago, so this is our first time to do this. We're not doing it, as you said, live uh, as returns come in. We're we're doing it the day before. But what I wanted us to do is just have some thoughts on elections, period, that you could apply to any election, any time. Uh, as Christians, and so not knowing any of the the election day results and behaviors and activities so far, these are just comments I'd just like to share for us to be thinking about on this very momentous day. Good. Well, why don't you? Um, you know, I always like thinking about you know first principles or or just thinking thinking through things not in in a specific um, context, but but what are things that are sort of outside of of each specific context. And so why don't you uh, start us off here, uh, walking us through um, how we as Christians, as leaders, can approach uh, an election of this magnitude. Yeah, and you know, I think it is important to always settle those principles ahead of time. Uh, yeah. So that when the the specifics come along, you don't just chuck everything out and say, yeah, but this is different. This is this is, yeah. uh, you know, Biden and Trump and uh, and then the next election. Yeah, but it's different. No, uh, principles apply in, in every case uh, there. You could just apply them to each election. And so here's just some thoughts. I think that we know these things, but it's good to be reminded of them, especially when emotions get high uh, as they are around this election. The, the first one is simply a a truth that we really have to continually remind ourselves of, and that is that regardless of who wins the election uh, today, um, God will be just as firmly on his throne ruling the universe as he was before the election. Mm -hmm. God's kingdom continues to advance. He is in no way hindered by this election. He'll still accomplish his purposes. Um, he's not caught by surprise. He has known since the beginning of time who would win the 2020 election in the United yeah. States. Um, and so, uh, and regardless of who wins, uh, God is in control. And, and Romans uh, chapter 13, verse 1 says, There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. And so the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul, and now Paul wrote that in an age where there were Roman emperors that were treated like gods that were often very corrupt and depraved and immoral yeah. uh, and who were responsible for beheading, executing Paul and Peter and perhaps some others. So, uh, and these are emperors who were throwing Christians to lions eventually. So when Paul says, uh, whoever's in power is at the discretion of God, God's in control. Uh, that meant a lot because uh, those same people might literally have Paul executed. So uh, for him to say, don't sweat it, 
when you see someone perhaps in government that you don't like or that you didn't vote for. Uh, don't think the world's come to an end. Mm-hmm. God's still in control. And uh, I just see a lot of people that have almost apocalyptic kinds of fears right now, that if this person is elected, the oh, world it, is coming to an end. You mean this isn't the apocalypse? <laughs> uh, but I tell you, when, you start, when people start saying that, when people literally are fearing for their life if a certain candidate is elected or they're fearing uh, disaster and wide, you know, the end of uh, na- you know, nature or, or civil war or whatever else. The end of democracy. Um, yeah. They, when you hear that, it not, it, certainly uh, our choices have consequences and, and you, you can vote in one way and have a different consequence than if you voted another way. But um, whether it's an end to life as we know it, uh, probably not. And most of the we America's been through lots of very emotional, hard-fought elections mm-hmm. that were spoken of in apocalyptic kinds of language uh, back when uh, you had Adams and Jefferson competing against each other. You had you thought the world might come to an end if the right party didn't win, the right person, but it carried on, and uh, yeah. and I think uh, we can have some confidence that. Uh, although it will certainly affect us in some ways, the different policies, uh, I think we could probably still go to sleep at night and know that we're not in immediate grave danger. Uh, and so just trust God with the process. Vote, uh, participate, do what you can. But at the end of the day, you're going to have to just leave the results and the, and the future in God's hands. Yeah, just step back and take that, that broader view yeah. of what's happening. Yeah, and, and second, I would just say, that kind of goes right along with that, don't be anxious. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing. Yeah. I think that, Im- that includes elections. Yeah, um, it's a very timely verse. <laughs> yeah, and I see a lot us. of people very, very anxious. Uh, now, th- this is, I think, uh, the Christian approach is do all that you can. You know, don't, don't sit back on your couch and not participate and then complain about the result. If you didn't vote, you don't have any right to complain. Yeah. It's and not I, a license for apathy. Yeah, but once you've done what you can, uh, at the end of the day, you have to put the results in God, leave it, leave the results in God's hands. Yeah. And whatever happens, God will still be in control. So, um, do what you can and then don't worry. You've done what you can. You couldn't have done any more. So at that point, um, just don't, don't, of course, worry does nothing. Um, and I see a lot of Christians right now, uh, surrendering a lot of joy and a lot of peace in their own life and in their family because they're worried. And I would just say, don't do that. Uh, a third thing is recognize that government leaders are not God. Yeah. Now that sounds like it's pretty obvious. And when you look at the character and some of the behavior and rhetoric of the candidates, you'd say, well, there's no mistaking either one of them for God. Uh, but oftentimes we put our, we put way too much trust and confidence in people. Yeah. And we really want people to do what only God can do. So, uh, for instance, you know, p- people are—you can't use your words to do things that only God can do. You can't, you can't say things that will make someone not a racist anymore, or to—you to, can't say give a speech and then all of a sudden cause people to care for one another or be kind to one another. Yeah, um, you can't change human hearts with human words. Uh, God has to change hearts. And so sometimes we think, well, if we could just elect this person, then society would 
all become civil or it w- that we'd all be kind or that we'd all be unified. We'd all see things the same way or violence would just stop. Um, and those are things God can do. God can speak a word and, and cause enormous changes to take place. Yeah. But people's words, even if you're the president of the United States, are not that powerful. And so, but what I what I hear sometimes is people putting way too much trust and confidence in people, and then they're inevitably disappointed. Yeah. They're disillusioned. Um, and of course, politicians at this time of year are feel quite free to make enormous godlike promises. Yeah. <laughs> they they campaign as if they were God and that they can fix all ills and they can cure all diseases if you just elect them. Yeah. Uh, and the fact is they can't. And if you believe that you're, you're destined for disappointment. So government leaders, especially if you're the president, they do have influence. They can affect our lives by some of the policies that they have, but, but understand that they're not God and don't. And I, I think what I'm seeing, especially in this election is that there, there are people, especially if you're not a Christian, if you don't have any hope for the life to come except this life, then you realize that what people do really does matter to you uh, yeah. because it's all you have. If, if you don't have prosperity now, if, if people aren't sharing their wealth with you now, uh, if you don't feel like you have all the opportunities that you deserve now, there isn't a later. Um, there is no heaven. So you can see that people get really uptight about what's happening right now. They're glued to the, the news because uh, uh, the person in the White House can dramatically affect the only life they're ever going to have. Yeah. Uh, but Christians realize this is this, you know, this life is just the, 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 the lobby of the, of the house. We're, we're just, yeah. we're just barely getting in the door in this life and we have an eternity beyond this. And so we do care about this life and we do want to make it as good as we can. But th- we have a much longer view of life, and it's not all about this. And so our trust is more in the e- eternal God, not the four-year elected president. Yeah. Uh, and so just understand, again, it's not as if if, if the right if your candidate doesn't win that, that somehow God isn't in control anymore. God is very much still being God. It's just that your political candidate didn't win. So, again, there's consequences for that. But this don't ever, some people are talking about uh, the future based on, uh, is almost as if their candidate had godlike powers and abilities and how disastrous if God doesn't get elected in this next election. And he's a person, a, a, a faulty, frail person, whichever one gets elected. And uh, keep that in mind as well. And then kind of just the opposite of that is also know who the enemy is. Um, and I think this particularly in this election is really important to keep in mind because, um, my dad always said when I was a pastor, I would have people sometimes who'd oppose me or criticize me. And, and he gave me some wise advice. He always said, know who the enemy is. And he went on to say, the enemy is never the people. Yeah. There's an enemy much more sinister, much more evil, uh, and cunning than, even your fiercest critic, and of course that's Satan, that's the, his spiritual forces of evil. Uh, Ephesians calls it the power of the air. Um, and, uh, and, and people can frustrate you, and, and, and certainly people can become tools of the enemy. They can become willing instruments of the enemy. But ultimately they're not the enemy. And yeah. I think we really need just to emphasize that 
if people vote differently than you, that doesn't make them your enemy. Right. You have a di- now in this polarized society in which we live, uh, there's a lot of people who feel like they do, and and I and I literally know families that are breaking up that won't have certain family members over for Thanksgiving because they're not voting the same way they are. And I would just say that's really a shame that you let your politics uh, be that divisive to you. Your your relative who voted for the opposite person is not an enemy of yours. Yeah. They have a difference of opinion, uh, but that doesn't make them evil. And I think that's the real danger in this election is that not only are we just having a difference of opinion, which has happened since uh, the first contested election. Of course, George Washington never ran against anyone as president, so not till after him was there really a, a contested election. But uh, but there's always been two sides and two two parties sort of campaigning and disagreeing, and, and that's just part of a healthy democracy. But in recent days, we've demonized people yeah that don't agree with us and you see someone with a different political sign on their front lawn than yours and all of a sudden you don't want to talk to them or you immediately think the worst about them and or you and you might even say something unkind about them and i would just say um someone who's in a different party than you is not an enemy of yours there's a much more sinister enemy that wants to destroy america and uh, that's who we need to aim our guns on, not fellow people. And I, in fact, I would go out of my way to try to be kind to people, even those that I know don't have my political viewpoints. Um, can you, can you be loving toward them and kind and realize, uh, you may be misguided. I may question some of your thinking powers, uh, and perhaps even some of your intelligence, but, uh, but you're not an enemy. Yeah. And, um, and and uh, I'm I, I can I, I need to still love you because we're fellow citizens. Yeah, well, just this this leap that has has been made in recent uh, years to to vilify any any difference of opinion, and, and not just say okay, well, that's a difference of opinion, and that yeah. doesn't that doesn't mean that this person is is evil right. necessarily. And so, it, but it takes it takes effort to think that way. And so mm-hmm. I think the easy route is to see the political sign or whatever and just jump to oh yeah well i know everything i need to know about that person and right and then take the easy way out rather than to think about who they are as a as a person and and yeah and when i talk to people i always ask them no if they tell me they're voting you know and i ask them now why what has led you to to that conclusion what has led you to that position now some people i don't think that they have really thought through very when they with the things they tell me are just a bunch of slogans and stuff they maybe saw in the news uh yeah but uh but there there are those that have agonized over certain things and um and they've come to a position and i may completely disagree with what they've concluded but i can respect the fact that they have been on a personal journey and yeah and that's where they came out and um you know, I they I believe that they mean goodwill for the country, and uh, even if I feel like what they're hoping for may not bring good to the country, mm-hmm. that's that's their intent is, and so, you know, I I think that's just important, and uh, I think especially Christians who have been commanded by our Lord to love our enemies, uh, this is a great opportunity to practice that. Yeah, uh, and they're not our enemies, but but let's love people who are different than us. Um, and then uh, maybe just a fifth thing before the break is uh, there are no buts to Christ likeness. 
It's interesting. Uh, last week or so, I posted something on Twitter. Um, basically, I just listed the the nine fruits of the spirit uh, in Galatians, and it just says love, joy, you know, kindness, gentleness, self control, and so on. And I just said uh, Christians ought to be demonstrating the fruit of the spirit, even in, even during elections. And uh, that seemed to be straightforward enough. In other words, that those a lot of people have said the fruit of the spirit is just a, basically just a character, a description of the character of Jesus. And if Christ is living out His life in us, we're going to act like Jesus. We're yeah. going to have His character, and we should be striving for that. I don't think those are conditional. Yeah, uh, but you know, it was interesting, and and I will say, by far and away, most people amended it and liked it and said, "I'm striving for that. I'm falling short, but that's my desire," and so on. Uh, and I appreciated the honest responses and support. But there were several that would say things like, "Are you saying that you have to be kind to?" Uh, you know, Democrats or Republicans or abortionists or you know, different different categories of yeah. groups that obviously people felt really uh, strongly about, and I, 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 it really took me back that supposedly these are Christians saying, "Are you saying that you have to be Christ-like toward people that vote for the wrong party or that uh, don't aren't against certain things that I'm against?" Yeah. Uh, and I really was kind of taken back to think, well, yeah, I'm saying that you should be like Jesus all the time to everyone. Uh, but that seemed just abhorrent to certain people. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's just no way I'm going to be Christian toward people who do this or do that. And I would say, well, then it makes me wonder how truly Christian you really are, period. Uh, because yeah. Jesus... Uh, he healed someone who'd come to arrest him and have him crucified when the, his ear was cut off. He's like, here, let me help you. And the guys come to arrest him and beat him up. And Jesus is acting lovingly toward him. And that's the Jesus that wants to live his life out in you, who told us to love our enemies. Uh, and, and so I, I look at that and I think, well, um, can, can you be Christ-like? In fact, that's when you really find out just how Christ-like you are. It's not how you know how you treat your little baby girl uh are you loving toward your granddaughter but are you loving toward people who disagree with you can you be christ-like then yeah and uh it really took me back that mm. people another thing i see, hear a lot of these days and around this election is i hear a lot of christians saying yeah but but uh, that word but comes up uh but you but god does want you to take a stand uh, I, I hear that a lot but you have to take a stand and i and I'm kind of bewildered how being like Christ somehow means you don't take a stand. I, I mean, Christ never compromised truth. Uh, he never compromised with evil. Yeah. Uh, he always drew a line where evil or sin was involved. Um, but he, he, but is it possible to be loving and take a stand? I think it is. I think you can lovingly take a stand. Um, but somehow it's almost as if. Well, be, if being like Christ means you're compromising your Christian principles, you got to think that through. And I think that a lot of people aren't thinking it through. How is being like Jesus somehow a compromise? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think Jesus intended for us to always be like him. Because in Galatians 2.20 says it's him that's going to live out his life in us anyway. So when you go to relate to someone who's different than you, uh, say, Jesus, you take the lead here. What, what do you want to do? How do you want to love this person through me? 
But we, we sort of want to get the reins back of our life at that point, take the steering wheel and say, there's no way I'm going to be Christ-like. I'm going to be loving or kind or gentle to that person. Yeah. After all, like, look at who they're voting for. And I would say, well, this is all the more reason to be like Jesus in such a time as this. And, and I'll tell you, for right or wrong, there's a bunch of non-Christians these days. I heard from one the other day who basically was just appalled and offended at how arrogant and virulent some Christians were with their political views. Um, just uh, very attacking of the other side. And I would say, now it's fine to have strong opinions and it's it's fine to have convictions. But when you just start getting ugly toward people you disagree with, uh, do you understand that, uh, you know, presidents will come and go. You're, even if your guy gets elected, he will, he'll be having to run for office again four years from now. But you may have turned someone off to Christ for the rest of their life yeah. because they saw how ugly a Christian can be when they're not getting their way or when uh, they really want to denigrate people that disagree with them. And I would say, be careful what kind of lasting impression you give someone during an election cycle that happens every four years. Um, just just have your convictions, take your stand, but take your stand in a Christ-like way. It is possible. Uh, to do both, and uh, and don't don't put a but in your being like Christ. Don't say yeah. I'll be like Jesus, but if someone isn't like Jesus to me, then I'm I'm giving them both barrels. Yeah, well, I'm afraid we've conflated sort of the conservatism with Christianity, and and I think that is to the great detriment of of the of Christianity mm -hmm. uh, ultimately. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back in just a minute. Join Richard Blackaby on November 10th for a virtual interactive men's conference. Hosted by Iron Sharpens Iron, this virtual event will be from November 10th to 14th and features over 30 speakers. Find out more and register at ironsharpensiron.net. Well, Richard, just before the break, we, we saw your first five principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when facing an election, and uh, whether it's uh, today's election or, you know, the midterm elections in two years or local elections, whatever it is, these are principles that we hope our listeners will take and apply to to any election um, that is uh, in their society. Obviously, this is focusing on the, on the U.S. presidential election. But uh, maybe before we, we finish today, um, I think you have a few more mm -hmm. um, principles that we can uh, take with us as we think about uh, this election. Yeah, a I, I, I sixth uh, thing just to make a comment on is that uh, Galatians 6, 7 says, we reap what we sow. And mm. uh, we don't always like the condition of America, but and and elections tend to kind of bring out the worst in where America is at the yeah. moment. But um, it doesn't come out of nowhere. What you're seeing today, is we are reaping what we have sown. Yeah. Uh, either churches that weren't doing their job, Christians that maybe weren't caring for the poor the way Jesus wants us to, the Christians who weren't active in social justice and trying to uh, defend the rights of the oppressed, wherever that might be. And so you get pushback, and uh, often what happens is when God's people don't step up and do what God's people ought to do, uh, other players get in the game. Other people fill the vacuum, and then, then the church is appalled and says, well, why are these evil people, these ungodly people, in places of power? 
why have they gotten a following now? Why are people uh, voting for them? And you'd say, well, in part, it's because we dropped the ball. Uh, we didn't yeah. do what we should do, and now other people are clamoring for it. When, when people see what real Christianity truly looks like, it's very attractive. It's very appealing. Uh, but if they see kind of a cultural Christianity, just a surface name-only Christianity, it turns people off. Yeah. Uh, when it sees Christians acting just the same way the world does, um, people say, I, I, why do I have to go to, I don't have to go to church to act like the world. I can yeah. do that without going to church. So, so uh, sometimes when you're appalled at how people are behaving or the, maybe even the results of an election, saying, how could we get to a place where people would elect blank? Um, then I think we need to understand we get, we get there by sowing the wrong things and eventually you reap the wrong things. And so if you're not happy with today's results, then I would say, uh, you may want to change what you're sowing and mm. what your church is sowing and how you're raising your kids. And there may be some things you need to do personally with your schedule and your finances and your time and your prayers um, but if you don't like what you sow, what so what what is reaped today, don't keep sowing what you re- you sowed yesterday. Change that up, and yeah. I, I think maybe sometimes I feel like God allows the church to have a wake up call, uh, so that it's appalled enough that it changes uh, its behavior, and uh, and then a seventh thing which I think we can't say enough is just watch your mouth, watch your mouth in this Ephesians four twenty nine says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. And I'll tell you what, with social media these days, it used to be before social media, you might mutter stuff, you might make some pronouncement around the water cooler at work, um, but it had a kind of a limited scope and people walked away and they might think you were obnoxious, but it didn't affect a lot of people. But now behind the anonymity, anonymity <laughs> of... Uh, social media, we can be really bold and really bombastic and really cutting, uh, and fire stuff out there and, um, and, and, and be rewarded for it. I think. Yeah. Better. And have, and get a bunch of likes and have people that even take uh, that to another level of, or another depth. Uh, and I would just say, again, you, we also can't say this enough. Re- remember what you put on social media stays on social media. <laughs> yeah. And uh, once your anger and your temper and your disappointment have cooled off, uh, some of the hurtful things you've said still lingers on. And uh, so especially as a Christian, and especially in these very volatile times, uh, measure what you're saying. And more than likely, you probably need to tone down uh, what you're saying a little bit uh, less uh you know, vitriolic as maybe it first came out and, uh, just measure those words before you hit send or post, uh, read it over maybe one more time and say, is this, does this honor Christ? It, I I may have some strong feelings here, but can I, but there must be a way to express strong feelings in a Christ-like way still that, that does not dishonor him as I express my opinion. So be careful what you say. And then the last two things, um, and the eighth thing is just resist evil on both sides. Can I say that without getting a lot of hate mail on podcasts? Uh, yeah. Because the polit- both both uh, people running for president are not perfect. Uh, neither of them are. Uh, you may agree more with some of the causes that uh, they uh, support. 
you, you may like some of their policies better and they, and some of their policies may line up better with biblical principles, but they're, as we said earlier, they're not God. And, uh, and so they, they're people and people will make mistakes. People will disappoint. That doesn't mean you don't vote for them. I, I, I don't think there's ever been a perfect person who ran for president. So anyone you vote for uh, at any level, you are having to accept some imperfections about it's really just which candidate do you have the least disagreement with? Uh, because I could disagree with both candidates and certain things that they do or they say or certain behaviors uh, that if it were me, I wouldn't do. But uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I you know you you say well which which one which candidate will advance the most good and the least evil. Uh, but at the same time, that means that you and you you don't ever stop calling out evil. I know in political uh, and especially election times, you don't even want to mention a shortcoming of your favorite candidate because maybe that will hurt their their chances. Yeah. But the fact is that, especially as a Christian, we need to be a moral voice, um, and uh, and that means that whoever, whatever candidate uh, sins or does something that is dishonorable. Uh, you need to call it out. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily still vote for them. You only get two choices. So you, whoever you vote for, you're going to have to forgive or or stomach or overlook certain things because I don't like 100% of either one of the candidates. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I have a choice between two. So you you pick that. But, but just be careful that you don't lose your moral voice. Um, just because your favorite candidate did something sinful doesn't mean it's okay. Uh, it, if, it, if it's something sinful, it's sinful no matter who does it. Right. And uh, so just keep your, your moral high ground. Uh, that, that, that makes elections complicated because, like I said, uh, neither uh, candidate is a saint. And so you're gonna, you've got to make tough choices. But uh, keep, keep your moral high ground and uh, your standards. And, and then lastly, just uh, take the long view in elections. And that is uh, certainly four years as a president or four years in power in the Congress can certainly uh, make some significant changes in uh, the nature of the country. But still, it's for four years. And four years from now, things can shift. It's, it's, it's interesting in American politics how uh, I think when, uh, when Obama was elected at first. It, I remember reading articles saying, can Republicans ever win again with such a overwhelming uh, Democratic, Democratic victory and so on? And then the Republicans do win. And, yeah. and then it's then the Democrats. So, what was us? How did this happen? And, and it, go, it swings back and forth. And so I've just kind of learned that don't ever, you know, when, when it's again, when it's apocalyptic, like we'll never be, this party will never win again, or they'll never be able to change this in the country again. Um, it may be difficult, but, um, but take the long view and yeah. realize that this isn't, you don't, you don't have to necessarily go out marching in the streets and burning down things because your candidate lost you, you four years from now, you're going to get another shot at it. So get better prepared, work harder, campaign more, whatever you need to do. But it's not the end of the world. Uh, there's, there'll be another election in a few years. So yeah. prepare for it now uh, and realize that uh, as the church, if we weren't all the church that we should have been, God's given us some time now before the next election to reach the hearts of people and turn people Godward and to think biblically. And so 
um, take the long view in elections. It's, uh, and when you do that, then you realize we can get through today. Uh, and, uh, you know, I might just say a, a tenth thing, just throw in a freebie, a, a bonus, and that is uh, be gracious as well. So yeah. if, if, your, if your party wins today, if your presidential candidate wins today, be gracious about it because there's going to be a lot of people upset, a lot of people uh, very disillusioned and hurt. Uh, and if you lost, be gracious about that too. You know what? That's, what? that's how elections work. Someone wins, someone loses every solitary time in American politics. So um, that, that's all right. That's how it works. That's how a civil society functions is that the winners try not to rub the noses of the losers into their loss. And, uh, and the losers don't go out and start burning things down and shouting angry threats because they lost. They just buckle down and do a better job the next time. And they try to win the next time. That's how the democratic process works. So I'm hoping and I'm praying that both sides will be gracious uh, toward, the, toward each other and uh, toward their, their announcements and pronouncements and social media <laughs> posts. And as a country, uh, those who lose can accept that and just work harder the next time. Those who win can do what, whatever is possible to try to win their brother back and bring some unity and try to focus on things that we can all agree on and we all want for our country. Well, these are great uh, principles to take with us to the ballot box today and uh, praying for each of you as you navigate yeah. Uh, this time. And uh, we'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.